Don't Wreck Yourself features words and situations that are not appropriate for young listeners. This show is only for adults and unsupervised juvenile delinquents of exquisite taste and refinement. Each week, Matt and Ryan look into claims they find online, answer your questions, and say bad words! Now your way is the only way, and my way is the only way to Fill the space between a hard place and a rock is all we do but we'll entertain the conversation that leads us to the truth. What do we know? What trips to telephones that are no different to you? Welcome to Don't Wreck Yourself. My name's Ryan Placetti, and I'm here to disentangle you from the Gordian knot of the internet's bullshit. And I'm Matt Saintsing, and we are one more week, and I still don't have a tagline, but I'm holding strong. I'm holding strong. Not just not just one more week, Matt. It's been one more year. Wow. You've been you've been workshopping this tagline for a full year. I wouldn't say I've, I wouldn't say I was workshopping it. I we both know I wasn't. <laughs> How about even slacking? So let's call it slack shopping it. <laughs> yeah, I, maybe. Yeah, I not not I would say I'm no job in it. You know, How, yeah. <laughs> no, no job in it. So yeah, this is our one year anniversary of launching the show. So our first episode quietly went live on March 29th. We launched it as a test episode to make sure everything was in order. And then the next week on April 6th, we we launched two more episodes. So those those were our first three episodes. And that's when we started promoting the show. Yeah, I remember I was there. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, this has been such an amazing project. And I'm really proud of the work that we've done and the work that we put into it. Collectively, each episode probably takes about six hours to produce. So at this point, we're sitting on about 300 hours of work. Oh, God. Well, you are. I, I'm not, I have not even tapped into a fraction of that so, since you're the studious Matt, editor. You, every minute that I'm in that editing suite, I'm with just, you. I'm just right with you. My fingers to the nubs. Oh, God. You're there with me in spirit. All right. Well, I, I love our bond. I love, you know, now I'm thinking about you and your nubs. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just like, you know, just, when I'm alone in the middle of it, in the dead of night, just nubbing off. I'm thinking of you every step of the way is what you just said. You know, you know what? I'd like to, obviously I want to, I want to thank you, Matt, for all the work that you've done this year. And oh, thank you in, in researching topics and presenting and, and, and for being half of the brain power, I would say. Sure, half. half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like to think you're bringing two thirds of the brain power. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm the brains, you're the muscle. That's how this works. We owe a we owe a debt of gratitude to another group of people. They're called listeners. Our listeners, our audience, the people we do this for, other than ourselves and our egos. I appreciate the support from all of from my friends and yours, and hopefully some new people who are going to be introduced to the show. It's been a lot of fun the past year, and I I hope to keep doing this. And I think we also owe a uh, a huge debt of gratitude to our significant others, my wife, Aaron, and of course, uh, whoever that lady you're with is. Elise is a regular listener of the podcast. She listens every Tuesday. I apologize, Elise. I was only pretending to not know your name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So let's get to the let's get down to what we're actually doing this year for our one year anniversary. We're doing whatever the 90s sitcoms did every time they wanted to have a special anniversary episode. Yep. Flashback episode. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, do you? (laughs) What about when this? Oh, I forget who forgot that time. Urkel had the cake and walked through the prom, you know, all kinds of crazy shit. We've gone back over the past 50 episodes that we've published and we picked out some of our favorite bits. And we've also we've also seeded this episode with a couple bits from our 
demo recordings. So prior to launching the podcast, Matt and I probably recorded six times producing what I would consider to be two and a half viable episodes. Uh, but there's some good bits in those episodes and we want them, uh, we, we want those things to see the light of day. So in addition to some of our best content over the last year, you'll also be listening to some unaired demo content. So if you notice a, a drastic shift in audio quality, my recording setup was not quite optimized yet because I was speaking into the back of my microphone because I didn't know how it worked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, we got that resolved by the uh, by the time we launched our first episode. I was putting the microphone on my ass. Somehow I, I couldn't get this to work. <laughs> I had a lot of fun experimenting, but yeah, the, did, did not get did not get the job done. So you can look forward to some clips in there uh, from some of our demo episodes, including Donald Trump golden showers and Japanese horse meat. <laughs> and I want to say early 2007, just completed our tour in Iraq. Uh, we came home, life and limb intact, and we were sitting at a chow hall at Fort Campbell. I don't know how it came up, but somebody bet me a dollar I wouldn't uh, deep throat a banana. What for <laughs> First of all, um, you're a cheap date. I didn't know. That's all it took. You know, it, if I known that, I would have been. I, it would have we had a way different friendship over the past 17 years. If I knew it only a one dollar cost you to deep throat a banana. Um, how? I mean, it was a. Average size banana, probably five and a half to seven inches, which I know. <laughs> I feel like I, I, I haven't been, I haven't been telling people seven inches is average since since I was 12 years old. <laughs> yeah, right. Before yeah. you find out how big your penis how big it, how big, it, how big you want it to. <laughs> well, let's not ask yeah. too many questions. It, 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 it's more of a surprise. It's like, you know, it's like when, when it snows, you know, unexpected inches. It's always a, it's always fun. <laughs> So anyway, I, I successfully deep throated this banana. No problem. I peeled it. Boom. Right down. It's the perfect shape. Oh, yeah. Like get that curve. Kirk Cameron would be proud Ooh. because the, the banana perfectly slides right down the throat of a human. And that is proof of I was going to say, like there were there was a designer because it just fits like a like a key in the lock. So there must there must be a designer. This is the logic. Yeah. Um. So here's the issue. I got I don't want to say greedy. I, I don't want to be a greedy banana gobble. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't want to be, like that's not who I want to be. That's not who I want to be on the internet. Banana hog. Over um, here. No, no, no. I, I, I was. I, I felt the need to show off, so I went in for the double dip. You. Oh, now, it was the second one that got you. This is the second one. It's the second one that got me because the the structural integrity of a banana is not great. I feel like um, and, and when it has more moisture on it, it just kind of collapses in on itself. Automatically. Oh, it turns a mush. Turns uh, well, a mush. I mean, it's not like I was it's not like I was chewing it. It wasn't a mush issue. It was just a structural integrity issue from the the physical trauma being slid all the way down to my throat. Not once, but twice. The second time it breaks, which in other deep throating scenarios is usually not going to happen. Unless you're blowing pirates. <laughs> oh, because <laughs> I got oh, I get it. Little wooden I, I, I think I get it. Yeah, you get, you get some splinters caught in your tongue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it breaks off and my my comrades in arms who bravely served with me overseas aren't about to let one of their comrades fall in peacetime. Falling on the banana, like falling on your sword. Right? <laughs> he gets up and he he runs around the table and I waved him down because there's no fucking way that motherfuckers getting a medal <laughs> giving me the for giving me the Heimlich maneuver because I was deep throating a banana for a dollar in the chow hall. Uh, well, I feel like you, that you, is not an award you get to take home. I feel like you should have gotten two dollars at least since you you did it. twice. But did you almost choke? Was, was, was there a gag? I have to ask. Was there a gag reflex? 
I was literally choking on this banana like I could die. You were, you were choking on this banana like you were late on the rent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's the, yeah. So a single banana almost took my life. So the question remains, how did the bear stumble across 70 pounds of cocaine? How do you think? What do you what would you say? OK, so I've seen videos of bears dancing. I've seen videos of bears on bicycles. I've seen videos of I've seen bears box. I've seen bears wrestle. You can teach bears to do a lot of things. There is no reason to suspect that you could not convince a bear to carry cocaine across the border. Oh, you think he's a he's a, he's a bear mule is what you I, think? Well, I, yeah, it's a, it's a bear mule and his best friend's a coyote. Uh, <laughs> it's just like it's like a Disneyfication of cocaine bear, right? I would watch that Pixar movie now. I, I, I straight up would. I straight up would. Wasn't a bear mule. Wasn't that fun? You said he, you said the bear swallowed the cocaine. No, he ate the cocaine. He ate it. Ate ate the cocaine. Yeah. Okay. He didn't snort it. Didn't snort it. So I mean, right there, I think that actually disproves my theory. Because yeah. typically speaking, when you're acting as a mule for the coyote, it goes in the other end. It goes in your bare ass, not your bare ass. You <laughs> you have the right to bear ass. <laughs> <laughs> Which just means the government can't stop you from bearing ass. Not that you have protection from other people stopping you from bearing ass. This bear is in Kentucky. So you were kind of on the on the right track with mule, but not in the okay. way you, th- you, th- you used the wrong formula, but got the right answer. And what happened there is cocaine dropped from the sky, snow falling from the sky in, K- in Kentucky. <laughs> All right. So pristinely. And it was in a duffel bag. He just came up on it and just fucking gorged himself on 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 some yayo, my friend. You said the cocaine literally fell out of the sky. Was it be was it dropped by a cocaine crane? It was dropped by a smuggler, Andrew Carter Thornton II. Also sounds just like a He sounds like somebody in Kentucky dealing drugs. Well, it sounds like a rich ass guy. It just sounds like like this is a privileged dude who went to Vanderbilt or something. No, no, no. Right? give me that like, name again. Give me that name again. Andrew Carter Thornton II. I mean, if he was if he was like coming from New England, I'd be like, yeah, high class. He's but actually the the son of a wealthy, elite Kentucky horse breeding family. I'll have you know. Oh, and well, noted cocaine smuggler. <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, I could I could buy that. I should say before we start having too much fun about this guy, he did die. He's having mechanical issues. He dumped cocaine and parachuted down to the ground. He hit his head on the way down. Parachute didn't open in time. That's the that's the end of the story of, of, of Andrew Carter Thornton, the second, I should say. So the bear wasn't the only casualty. Yeah, the, the, the Britney Spears Instagram is a huge source of this conspiracy and, and the facts surrounding it. For example, uh, one of the big things that makes people think that this is actually something that Britney Spears wants is the fact that her mother, Lynn Spears, keeps liking free Britney posts. That is weird. I did not know about that. Is she taunting? Or is she just like following it? What, what does that mean? Like Lynn Spears and Jamie Spears are not together anymore, uh, except in the form of Jamie Lynn Spears, their second daughter. <laughs> <laughs> so Lynn Spears liking all these hashtag free Britney posts would seem to lend some credence to the fact that Britney does need to be freed. I mean, who would know better than her mother? Uh, that said, Lynn Spears doesn't comment on free Britney. She just likes the posts. Okay. All we have here are one-way communications with no details. 
We have hints that Britney's in trouble. We have hints that other people in Britney's circle perceive trouble around Britney, but nobody outright says it. That's not weird when you consider the fact that these are legal. Uh, these are legal proceedings. Like what Britney Spears is currently in a conservatorship, which is a legal status. Lynn Spears has started to be petition uh, has started to petition to be put on the conservatorship so that she can be informed of medical and financial decisions. A lot of fans view that as steps towards actual independence. They, they get a new person who's pro-Britney independence on that, uh, on that list of people making decisions for her, and she can help make that decision to let Britney go. So the mom is not on the conservatorship. Who all is? When they started, uh, when they started off, Jamie Spears and Andrew Wallet were the conservators of the estate. So Andrew Wallet's an attorney. Uh, there was a point where he asked for a pay raise, actually pretty recently, and he got it. And then a few months later, he quit, which is weird because they're they're like he's getting paid thirty five thousand dollars a month or something like that, something ridiculous. Jamie Spears has stepped down as the primary conservator. But that brings us to a new character who adds another layer of crazy onto this conspiracy theory, Samuel Ingham III, who specializes in conservatorships. But he is not without controversy himself. He is linked to another contentious celebrity conservatorship, that of Casey Kasem. Rest in peace. Are you? Yes, rest in peace. Are you familiar with Casey Kasem, top 40 superstar? Of course. I mean, I remember writing in the car as a kid and I'm Casey Kasem. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. God, his voice was so much better. I wish... I wish he could be your co-host instead of me. <laughs> yeah, um, that's, that makes two of us. Your podcast would be so much more successful. <laughs> Let's next up on the top 40 conspiracy theories. I'm Casey All right, Kasem. so top 40 conspiracy theories. This one is actually really interesting. So okay. Casey Kasem, towards the end of his life, was not doing well, as people who are you know on death's door often are not. And what happened was his wife, Jean Kasem, who, by the way, was his second wife, uh, ends up in a feud with his children from his first marriage over conservatorship. So Jean Kasem, as his wife, has you know more or less control over his, uh, over his estate while he's alive. And his children try to take control, and they enlist the help of Samuel Ingham III. Hmm. Okay, so already now we are seeing at least some evidence that this Samuel Ingham III character has been involved in conservatorships of celebrities before that may be not above board. Is that what I'm getting here? Right. So he he ends up hired by Casey Kasem's children to wrest control of his estate from Gene Kasem. There's two sides to this story, as there are in any good conspiracy theory. The way Gene Kasem tells this story is that Casey's children hired this guy to steal uh, to steal his his estate, his wealth, and leave her high and dry. However, Casey's children say that his wife prevented them from visiting their father in his final days and then stole him away on a private plane to a friend's house in Washington where she neglected him to death. So you think she killed him? That's, that's how the story goes? They imply that she killed him. Okay. He developed a bed sore the last week or two of his life, and their argument is that that's proof that she was neglecting him, ultimately uh, leading to his death. Uh, they also accuse her of ignoring his burial wishes by not burying him in a Los Angeles cemetery. So where did they end up burying him then? An unmarked grave in Norway. In an unmarked grave in Norway? In an unmarked grave in Norway. I feel like just, yes, just like... 
the, the Viking funeral everyone wanted with Casey Kasem. <laughs> you know, the Casey's children were like, she buried him in an unmarked grave in Norway, a place he had never been. Does he have any family lineage there? I don't know. I don't know if Kasem is Norwegian. I, I don't think Kasem is Norwegian. However, I'm assuming that Jean Kasem is. I'm making a lot of assumptions based on the fact that she's a blonde-haired, blue-eyed lady. <laughs> uh, when has that ever gone wrong in, in the past? No, I've, ne- I've never, I've never made an incorrect assumption or a or an assumption that came back to bite me in the ass later. A, a couple things here with this Casey Kasem, Gene Kasem thing. I would say number one, the fact that someone got a bed sore and then died later is not evidence that someone was killed via neglect. My first job ever actually was working at a nursing right and. I I happen to work on the chronic wing of the nursing home and I can just say that there are I mean like every day people were getting bed sores right and it wasn't it didn't have anything to do with neglect it just has to do with that's what happens when you're laying in bed for 19 hours a day it's like people who don't know anything about about elder care are having comments are, are commenting that they are reputable sources knowing that w- they know when someone was neglected to death which I think is something right and I, I think it's worth saying that uh, some parts of the Free Britney movement believe Ingham has a history of stealing celebrity fortunes. Mm, which, I mean, he can't be the first person in Hollywood to ever do that. But that's only true if Loretta Tortelli from Cheers didn't murder top 40 icon Casey Kasem. <laughs> I've seen zebras in the wild. I've seen all three varieties of zebras in the wild, and none of them have none of them that I saw have spots. I've only seen zebra patterns printed on spandex. So uh, yeah, I, yeah, I've, I've also seen it on like you know like uh, trapper keepers in middle school and shit. Right? <laughs> just you're, you're just like I'm am franking the shit out of this. Uh, Did you say and franking. Oh no, that's not. Who do you think? Who are you thinking of? Lisa Frank. <laughs> oh. <laughs> But the defense, although they make a they make a passionate argument for the fact that Kathleen fell down the stairs, they had to jump through some hoops to explain how all that blood came from just a simple fall down the stairs. You know, there's the slipping and re-slipping and hitting her head here, hitting her head there. It almost seems a little bit far fetched to the point where it's like, can he be innocent? My take on this is I believe that there's a good chance that he absolutely did it. I think just knowing about the staircases 15 years apart to vic- two supposed victims. I mean, come on, right? I, it, that does. I mean, what what are the fucking odds of that? We should get a statistician to let us know that this is like one, yeah. be, one in a one betrillion. Here's what I think. Even if he fucking did it, I am 1000% okay with him walking free because as you said, the government doesn't get the fucking railroad you because they don't like who you fuck. They don't get to fabricate evidence because they're grossed out by your sexual, uh, I almost said preference, but sexual orientation, right? But what if I told you that there was actually an alternate theory? Well, I'd love to hear it. You're so good at transitions, man. I suck at them. I got to be better at them. There is a line that I originally I took it as kind of a throwaway line. Uh, they're interviewing Michael Peterson, and I believe this is ahead of his Alfred plea. He's saying, you know, you know, if there's other theories, you know, however she died, you know, they got the blowpoke theory or, you know, the raptor attack, you know, however she died. Like, hold, hold up the raptor attack. Yeah, he mentions a raptor attack. And your first thought is Velosa fucking raptor. <laughs> yeah, like some Jurassic Park shit. And it feels like a throwaway line, like he's just saying something like crazy could have happened. There is actually a raptor attack theory. (laughs) So, I mean, I think we should be very clear about this. Are you talking about a dinosaur? I am not talking about a dinosaur. I am talking about a bird of prey. 
Man, I have never been more disappointed in my life. I really wanted it to be like, okay, so they got dino DNA and just let it loose. You've seen Harry Potter. No, I haven't. I've never seen it or read the books. Never mind. Forget that transition. We'll delete it. No, I will keep it in because I want I want people to be like, what the fuck? Have you been living under a rock? No, I haven't. (laughs) It's just the entertainment I get from telling people I've never seen it is more than the movies can ever do. (laughs) What about the books? I just I'm not into that genre. Matt's not not a reader. Matt's not a reader. No, I am a reader. I I read books for fun all the time because I'm, you know. Yeah, you sound like a blast. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'll read right fucking now. Pride and Prejudice. Love it. War and Peace. Love it. I was just about to say War and Peace. Gone with the wind. I mean, wind. Gone with the wind. (laughs) Yeah, I think we figured you out. Uh, (laughs) I've only seen it written. I've never heard it. The Raptor attack theory was actually advanced by... Uh, Kathleen and Michael's neighbor, who happens to be a lawyer, they live in a really nice neighborhood. So this guy, Larry Pollard, lives next door. And like six months into the trial, he comes up with the raptor theory, otherwise known as the owl attack theory. Uh, so here's the theory. We already talked about the the setup here. Kathleen and Michael had been drinking by the pool or enjoying their marital bliss. Getting a little fucked up. Yeah. Well, she gets up to go inside and go to bed. On the way into the house, she gets attacked by an owl. She gets free. She gets free of the animal, runs into the house, falls down the stairs. Okay, I shouldn't laugh because we we are legit talking about a a, a dead woman. So I kind of feel bad about that. As her loved ones are very much still alive, some care should be taken. Absolutely, absolutely. But I would say that the, the image of an owl attacking someone and then that person falling to their death is just inherently funny. I'm sorry. It's just there's something cartoon comical about it. There is something cartoonish about it, which is part of what makes the theory so unbelievable on its face. But hear me out. OK, I'm hearing you because there is some evidence. So we've already established that the, the police investigators, D.A., for sure railroaded this guy. 100%. Evidence collection was sloppy. Lab work was fraudulent. D.A. was ruthless. Uh, but the defense arguments pretty suspect. Also, wounds, the, the wounds really do not correspond with the accident that they lay out. So neither the prosecution nor the defense has a clear cut argument for what happened to Kathleen that explains everything. I would say the defense doesn't need to have a theory for that, though. Fair enough. The prosecution, the prosecution needs to prove it. This theory actually never made it into the courtroom and it doesn't actually make it into the documentary either. The documentary is focused on the court case. That's why Raptor Attack gets a, you know, a five second blip in this in this entire 13 episode arc. Yeah. What happened was Larry Pollard came up with this theory. He contacted the D.A. and said, hey, I think that this this was an owl attack. And the the D.A. basically and the police basically just laughed this guy out of the office. He goes to the defense attorney. And by then they're already presenting, essentially presenting final arguments. They'd already spent like six months arguing that this woman fell down the stairs Going into your closing arguments and saying, but wait, here's a new theory. It's an actual is. Hey, guys, it was a fucking bird. I mean, you're going to lose your case. That's a great way to lose your case. Exactly. So he's been arguing like they're already committed to this, uh, to their story. And, you know, you don't want to you don't want to come across as dishonest or or grasping. But there's actually enough of a preponderance of evidence to really give this merit. So here's the evidence. There's blood on the patio. Outside of the house. Okay, I did not know that. So if you want to talk about uh, motive, means and opportunity, there's your opportunity. Owls live outdoors. (laughs) Yeah, most of the owls you're going to find in life are going to be not in a enclosed area. I would hope. Right. 
And then the pattern of the wounds on her head oh, isn't yeah. consistent with the prosecution's blowpoke theory, obviously. Uh, <laughs> there's like seven was, marks was, on her head. Yeah. Right, right. So there, there's uh, scratches, there's lacerations on her head, but not really contusions. All right. And some of these, and at least two places on her head, the marks come in like three equally deep scratches, which would be consistent with the claws of an owl. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Owls are native to North Carolina. They have been known to attack humans. Hmm. There is a similar case also in North Carolina that gets highlighted anytime anybody talks about this owl theory of a guy who describes being attacked by an owl as getting hit with a baseball bat. Ooh. Well, I mean, yeah, they're vicious and they're huge, right? Yeah, they well, be. yeah. So there's so without getting into no, let's get into it without getting um, into ornithology. But let's get into the innards of fucking as owls. a professional ornithologist, as falcon, as a falconer. <laughs> there are actually uh, there are a couple different owls that are native to North Carolina. Uh, you have a smaller owl like a screech owl that can be up to about a half pound, which is about the weight of a softball. Hmm. OK. Oh, good. Good uh, callback with the baseball thing. Yeah. A great horned owl can be up to three pounds. And I actually, if you Google what weighs three pounds, there are websites with top 10 lists. <laughs> uh, but here's some things that weigh three pounds. A steam iron. Ooh. A box of wine. Oh, hey. A can of Crisco shortening. <laughs> a two slice toaster. Two slice. Nice. Uh, the great horned owl can reach speeds of up to 40 miles per hour. So imagine a 40 mile an hour fucking death machine just slapping your head imagine getting a toaster with with knives sticking out of it thrown at your head uh, and then it attacks you you know come to think of it i've, I've actually interacted and seen a, a a great horn owl before and they are massive and the guy actually said he, this one only weighs three pounds but he it's huge i mean it's yeah. a it's a it's a massive bird oh their their bones are hollow exactly yeah that, well they gotta be like and they're mostly fly. made of stuffing in my experience yeah as evolutionary biologists they do have to have hollow bones to fly so you can mm -hmm. put that in your pipe and smoke it. Every evolutionary biologist has hollow bones and that's why they can fly. <laughs> you know, this three pound bird hitting your head at 40 miles an hour and then clawing the shit out of you. So let's let's imagine this scenario. So at this point, she has lacerations all over her head. Head wounds bleed wildly. She's been hit by something between the weight of a softball and a two slice toaster <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the brain. Yeah. All right. She's already on her anti-anxiety medication, alcohol and muscle relaxers. So she's got and a bottle of wine, two bottles of wine between two of them on average. Yeah, I guess so. I guess you're right. Yeah. <laughs> she she drank What's two average. divided by one. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to find out how smart we really are. Yeah, right. Um, we really aren't. So at this point, you know, she she's she's a little bit faded. She's suffered a head trauma. She's got bleeding head wounds, which is probably disorienting her because that blood's going to get into your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So she she gets inside the house and she starts her way up the stairs, presumably to clean herself up, falls down the stairs, bleeds out. OK, so when, when you first said the raptor attack theory and, and the owl, for some reason, I thought I'm like, I, my first thought was there's no way an owl got into this mansion. But it makes total sense that it was on the outside. Yeah, right. The one piece of evidence that I think really sells this entire theory are the owl feathers they in her hand. What are you? Are you kidding me right now? Yeah, there are micro owl feathers in her hand with her hair, which has been pulled out at the root, which means she probably pulled some of her hair out while trying to disentangle herself from an owl. OK, 
That's that. That is wild, actually. I mean, this does have legs. It has two little claws, two talons. It has legs and wings, and it goes hoot hoot in the night. I'm going to do a little tangent here. I was at the VA a couple years ago. Actually, I was at the uh, VA in is a VA in North Carolina, and they had a pamphlet on alcoholism. So I I was bored. I was waiting. So I picked it up. I was taking a shit. So I took a pamphlet. (laughs) I was I was taking I was taking a shit in the lobby. (laughs) <laughs> and I reached over to the rack and I I pulled this pamphlet out and they had a list there. It's just like a little bullet point list signs that you might be an alcoholic. Uh Oh, OK. So I think can I guess some of these? Yeah, go ahead. You, you can guess. I, I don't I don't know that I remember all of them. There's just two that stuck out for me. There's two in my mind that stick out. And I think what the VA would say or what people who follow traditional addiction paradigms are is, does it mess with your ability to maintain personal relationships? And does it mess with your ability to work? I think these are the two things, right? That the, the, the kind yeah. of jump off the page. I, I mean, at least one of those things sort of speaks to our capitalist understanding of the value of humans means of production work. Yeah, yeah. yeah your ability to be a productive member of society and your ability to associate with people. But the two bullet points that stuck out for me that I thought were kind of entertaining is one was if you find yourself drinking alone. Mm. And then the next bullet point was if you find yourself making plans to drink. It's just like, well, yeah, of course you're going to drink alone if you don't make any fucking plans. <laughs> yeah, this is more like an antisocial thing, I feel like. I would actually be more worried about the person who ends up not drinking alone after not making plans. Because that means they're going to the bar so often they run into somebody that they know every time that they're there. If you're drinking heavily alone, maybe I can kind of see that. But I think having one or two at the end of the day at home, if you're alone, I think it's, there's nothing wrong with that. No, right? not, not at all. Anyway. I know we already established that the Parkinson's nurse is married, but do you think that is it serious? You think? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the Parkinson's that her husband has is serious. Yeah, but their marriage is what I'm talking about. He smells apparently, so you know, smells terrible. Smells terrible. Yeah. My proposal here was maybe if we could hook this Reddit user up with the lady that can smell Parkinson's, maybe they could breed uh, a new generation of Of actual diagnostic (laughs) of diagnostic super smellers. But I know that relationship wouldn't last because the moment she got pregnant, that dude would be out the door. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Here's the question. This is coming from user guppers. That's G U P P E R Z with a Z. So, you know, a little bit wild, a little bit wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) If I was going to die of heat stroke and only had a dildo made of ice, (laughs) <laughs> would I have a better chance at survival if I consumed it orally or stuck the entire thing up my butt? Okay. For clarification. Yep. It says, let's assume it has no balls to make it easier. Oh, thank God. Okay. That was my number one question. <laughs> yeah. is, uh, is, was it anatomically correct? Is the number one, like I got I, an ice sculpture. Um, I mean, again, going back to military days, I would say um, when you come across a heat casualty, one thing you should do is like is, uh, loosen their clothes, you know, take their temperature, put ice up their ass. It's a standard procedure. <laughs> it's standard operating. It's about serving your country. No, uh, I think it's an interesting question. I guess if I just walked upon a heat casualty and I just happened to have, you know, my regular Tuesday assortment of, of ice dildos. Yeah, like if you're if you're on your way to your frozen themed orgy, I would. Yeah, I would say, um, yeah, 
uh, trying to come up with a, with a frozen joke, but it, 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 it involves it go, Shulik. Man. I don't want. I don't want to go there. Let I don't want to go. go. Let it go. Let that's it go. I don't have kids, so I've, I've not. I haven't seen I've Frozen either, seen and I have kids. I've managed to avoid it thus far. But I have a feeling when the third Frozen movie comes out, I'm probably going to have to marathon that shit. I would say that if I had a dildo made out of ice, I would put it. Uh, if I would put it under their armpits. I would put it in their groin. I don't think I would put it inside of them unless they were unless they paid me. But. <laughs> Treat me like one of your heat casualties. <laughs> yeah, yo, yeah, right. So let's, let's talk about the merits of this. The uh, so when, when somebody has heat stroke, you're talking about somebody who has their body temperature dangerously high. Yeah, it's like cooking their brain. Yeah, right. Yeah. So the dildo made of ice can be inserted in both the mouth and the anus in this circumstance. And while you may be adverse to penetrating your patient, mm-hmm. which again, uh, we're going to assume this person is conscious because duh. Yeah. All right. uh, like, uh, they're, re- they're really asking for, <laughs> for the, it. Literally. For the, for, yeah. for the sake of this question, we are going to assume, well, we're not going to assume consent. We are going to assume that the person administering treatment has received con- uh, consent. Yeah. We're uh, written we are and everything. 100%. Yeah. Boom. We have now we have now dotted our dotted our T's and crossed our eyes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so the the advantage of uh, administering orally is that you are introducing uh, fluids, which can help to cool the internal body temperature. OK, but when you drink, the one thing you know about drinking alcohol is if you, you get drunk way quicker, if you put a beer in your ass. That's true. Which so means- you so you absorb it quicker. So maybe it's it, it's maybe better to get the fluids in quicker and to put it in the butt. All right. Well, I think that's settled then. Oh, sorry. Did I? I mean, I was just I was just walking through the logic of ice dildos. <laughs> I think you've answered the question. No, I think you I think you answered the question. Like we were we were kind of chewing on it a little bit. We were chewing on it and you're just like, well, it absorbs faster in the butt. And I, we were like, just rubbing around it just to see what the reaction was knocking on the door. <laughs> the advantage of inserting this ice dildo into the butt is that you there's no gag reflex. So you <laughs> could actually cool more of the interior of the body and lower the core temperature faster. But I think the advantage to going orally is that if you're trying to cool down the brain at the same time. OK, yeah, the, the, the palate at the top of your mouth is a lot thinner. Yeah. Than the distance between your butthole and your brain. <laughs> no, I, I think uh, if I only had one, the ass is the way to go. Um, but if I have a if I have a bunch of other ones, then I feel like you know dealer's choice, right? The most efficacious application of this would be to stick the dildo in the ass and the mouth, but not in sequence. Kind of like, oh, I got you. So what you're, no one's like running an ice train, on, like 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 Snowpiercer. No one's running a Snowpiercer. <laughs> So you have one ice dildo. You you can put one ice dildo in the ass, one ice dildo in the mouth. That's okay. Okay. You can you can put an ice dildo in the mouth and then in the ass, but never Ooh, the other way you around. Can't go ass to mouth of the ice dildo. No, it's probably going to be like really melted down, right? Oh god. I have a really greedy ass. I just want to suck it up, <laughs> slurp it up, man. All right. There's I, no way my girlfriend isn't hearing me talk about slurping something in my ass right now. <laughs> Oh, man, I think we just uh, I think we got there. I think. think, Yeah, I I think we're I think we're there to where I was trying to go, man. This is hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, I have something else that is an interesting thought. And I want to share with before before you share with me, Matt, is it sure? sure. Is it going to be sexy and gross or is it going to be something a little bit less titillating? Because I got to tell you, I, I need a 
I need a cold, soapy shower after that last topic. So please just let's 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 keep it tame. Um, okay. Well, I wish I knew that before I picked this topic. To be oh. honest. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, well, what's a- I was trying to make it. I was trying to make a joke. I was no, no, that's that's joke. fine. I'm keeping that joke in. I liked it. I'll keep this in, too, so people understand our process. <laughs> no. Um, so I saw a tweet that was from July 20th of 2021. Uh, the tweet is by Swole Genius. But their at is it's teensy. So talk about a hypocrite here. Right. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. the, the tweet says my girlfriend is still in denial about the fact that no one knows how eels fuck. Someone must know feeling for her. So uh, that is it a mystery. I, I have no idea how eels fuck, but I mean, I, I've seen pictures of worms fucking. I know snakes fuck like you haven't seen pictures of worms fucking Matt. Um, he gave I've me a face. Yeah, okay. that out. He gave me a face. It's, like it's it's kind of yeah because worms I just uh, I have seen snakes uh, uh, mate before because I'm from Florida worms <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I'm not talking about the reptiles yeah you're, you're at your coke dealer's house and the snakes oh, are just yeah, going right. at it in the corner <laughs> God oh God yeah um, there is much to be learned from how little we know about eels and their reproduction okay. So this is the aspiring biologists out there. This is a research gap you should be looking into. You're saying so you're what you're saying is that there is there. There's some there's some proof inside of this pudding. Absolutely. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. So this is this is the deal. After more than a century of speculation, researchers have finally proved that American and European eels really do migrate to the Bermuda Triangle to reproduce. Do you think all those ships are just getting lost in an orgy? Uh, eel orgy? I feel like what, what what a way to go. Oh my god, there's eels and they're really trying to they're really close to they're really trying to get it. I don't know if anybody's actually talked about what a group of eels is called. Like is it, if, if there's a specified term, but I think a pod. A pod? I, I I think we should just a school of eels? I think we should call it an orgy of eels. Yeah, I think okay. Wow, uh, this is hilarious. A group of eels is called a bed. A bed? <laughs> well, where where better to put your orgy? <laughs> Yeah, right. Um, they also call them a fry of eels or a swarm of eels. Ah, sounds fuck that shit. Fucking, sounds fucking terrible. I like, I, I like bed no. and I like orgy. We'll get rid of that other bullshit. So eel larvae has been observed in the Sargasso Sea, which is another way to say the Bermuda Triangle, since 1904, which suggests that the species reproduced in this area, but no adult eels had ever been found in this part of the Atlantic Ocean. Okay. Until, until 2015. A, uh, a team of Canadian scientists, they found... They, they were able to observe the migratory patterns of um, American and European eels, which is the species that this is talking about. Yeah. We have seen more eels mate uh, in captivity, right? That's hot. Um, so, but th- yeah, right. That, that's a moray. <laughs> when your eel gets surprised and you fuck like a pie, that's a moray. I don't know. We'll, cu- we'll definitely cut that out. Wait, I got one. I got one. I got one. When they're long, black and slick and they're slipping the dick, that's a moray. That's much better. Yeah, that's hilarious. I like that. I like that. <laughs> no, so uh, this team of scientists, they satellite tracked these 28 eels uh, and they found that these fish reached the northern barrier of the Sargasso Sea. The presumed reproduction site for species, it's a 2400 kilometer journey that they make. It's actually kind of fascinating. However, I'm pretty sure that's the plot of the John Cusack film, A Sure Thing. I've never seen it. I, well, I'm sorry, it's it. The Sure Thing. And it's a story about a young college student who gets told about this woman who definitely wants to have sex with him on the West Coast. And he undertakes a cross-country road trip with, I, I, I forget who it was. There's a female. This, this has got to be from the 1980s. Oh, yeah, it's from the, it's Sounds, from, well, yeah. this is not something that John Cusack could pull off in his 50s. Uh, <laughs> 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 and he, he ends up carpooling with a young woman who's also traveling across country. And then he gets there and realizes that she was the one all along. 
Oh, well, spoiler alert. Jesus. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful, sweet story about a guy who falls in love while trying to get his dick wet. Mm, we've all been there. Um, speak about getting wet. So these slippery, <laughs> these slippery eels, right? Um, these sophisticated satellite devices. Can we call them slippery they, fuckers they, they, just for. <laughs> absolutely. A group of eels is a slippery fucker. Is what, yeah, <laughs> a group of slippery is, fuckers um, is called an orgy. <laughs> I mean, they don't actually. So eels don't actually like have sex like moray eels do, right? They 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 they, they spawn eggs, right? So they just, they release eggs, and then male um, eels go and f- fertilize. Like crop it. dusting, but yeah, exactly. What I think is funny as I was researching this, this is a funny fact. Aristotle thought eels came from earthworms. Oh, so back to the worm thing. That's what Aristotle well, thought. We, so it turns out he's fucking not the first thing Aristotle was wrong about. I'll say that Aristotle was kind of a prick. Yeah. So the question I had is certainly we have had American and European eels in captivity and we've never seen them reproduce. Right. OK. But because of the complex life cycle of the eel, breeding stock in captivity is something that is not possible yet. Uh, eels spend months traveling to spawning grounds uh, in the Bermuda Triangle. So they can breed in the sea. So far, artificial ways of breeding eels for commercial farming purposes has not been successful, which kind of blew my mind. So we know that there are we know that there are eel larvae in the Sargasso Sea. We now know that eels travel to this part. We have not observed eels spawning or eels fertilizing these eggs. And I think that's just pretty fascinating. So there is some truth to this tweet. So right now, but we do have an operating assumption. Like we know there's jizz inside of these eels. We know there's eggs inside of these eels. And then the jizz and the eggs get together. They make it a baby. That is what we that is what we induce. But we have never actually observed that. Well, we haven't observed them doing the act, but we have. Yes. But we have observed all the components and we know generally how those things fit together in nature. I still think that because biologists haven't physically observed it, I, I think that literally has not been confirmed. I, 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 I think we can just it, it's you're, you're deducing it based on what we know about these things. And you're probably right. But I think that the, the fact that this was a mystery for more than a century is kind of hilarious. Right. That they, they couldn't <laughs> figure it out. But I think eels also, too. How cool is that? They we're, we're talking about they're in freshwater in the United States and Europe. Uh-huh. They travel twenty four hundred kilometers to saltwater. I think that is that's just it's, it's a it is fascinating. Yeah. It's fascinating. No, I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely wiser and more worldly for having uh, for having learned this. Absolutely. Also, there has not been any observed egg laying in the wild of eels. So I think that's important. We have not observed egg laying. Oh, they're hiding their eggs like Easter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the cute little ears on these uh, these eels, you know, R- real quick. I do have a question about this. When when I say the Easter bunny, can you describe what you see in your mind's eye? What what do you see when I say the, what, what do you see when I say the Easter bunny? Oh, gosh, probably a person dressed in like a mascot style, like fuzzy bunny costume. What color is the bunny? Uh, honestly, generally pink. Or in white. Or pink or white. Right, white yeah. At least thought the Easter bunny was a brown bunny. It was like this big, like an actual bunny when she was. That's like, perfectly acceptable. That's perfectly acceptable. I'm not going to. I th- well, I'm not going to I'm not gonna, oh, I'm not going to talk shit about it on the podcast, but I'm saying that I, that is not what I think of when I think of the Easter Bunny. I think it's kind of funny. I, I mean, I think we we think of representations of the Easter Bunny, but ultimately it's because there's humans trying to take on the role of the Easter Bunny. It's an anthropomorph- the actual the, it's an anthropomorphized. The actual bunny. Easter Bunny is probably uh, just a just a very straightforward, you know, run of the mill hutch rabbit type thing uh, is a hutch rabbit, a rabbit hutch. A rabbit lives in a hutch. Um, I had no idea. That's cool. That's, that's that's good trivia. That's good trivia for you. Has anyone observed Easter Bunny's fucking is what I want to know. 
if they're in the mascot suit, probably it's definitely, definitely, there's got to be a furry uh, Easter bunny. Yeah, then if they live out west, they wear a bolo tie and they're jackalopes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jackalopes, yeah. But that's the eel orgy uh, discussion that I have, and I think it's uh, fascinating and kind of hilarious. I think it's pretty amazing. Uh, I don't. First of all, I would say since we're talking about porn here, I think I did grab some hilarious statistics. Um, oh, um, is in January of 2017, the day after the Steele dossier was released online by BuzzFeed, uh, Pornhub uh, says that they saw a 273 percent spike in searches for the term golden shower. And Pornhub also notes that the demographic most likely to search for golden showers is men over 65. All right. Uh, this episode brought to you by Pornhub.com. Pornhub, if you're if you're listening, cut us some checks. We'll we'll, we'll talk about your website all day long. <laughs> yeah, we will. We will definitely accept a Pornhub sponsorship. We've been generating ad revenue for you for years. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, in the interest of kink shaming or actually non kink shaming, what is the most unusual overtly sexual activity that you've taken part in that you did not find sexually arousing? Your, your question said it was sexual in nature? Yeah, like what ostensibly sexual activity have you engaged in that you have found not arousing? Like the, the question is dependent on you engaging in a sexual activity, you know? Good. No, um, I, I mean, so I'm only thinking of uh, like sexual things I've done. So I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll go first. Like, okay, I think it's, okay. it's actually it's unfair of me to put you on the spot. It's like Donald Trump went first. Now I'm going to go. Yeah, just so yeah, yeah, yeah. Donald Trump went first. Now I'm going to go because, you know, we don't we don't know that we don't know that he was erect. And I think we've established that we don't want to find out. Uh, yeah. So let's just let's assume that this was purely about, you know, a, a, a machismo sort of spiting of the 44th president of the United States. I, without putting any context in my, in my youth, I drank cereal milk poured over the breast of a stripper dressed like Tony the tiger. And I gotta be honest, it wasn't great. Was she in a onesie? Uh, it started, it started off as a, so this is before furries were really a thing. I mean, I'm sure they were, they've always been a thing. Uh, and in fact, this may be some sort of nascent cultural nod to that, but she was in a, like a mascot style costume. And then she stripped down and she had tiger body paint on her. And then I and then there was an audience participation portion and I was drunk. OK. Was I drunk? No, I wasn't even 21 yet. So, yeah, I did that sober. Uh, this is this is <laughs> this is an episode I am not going to encourage my wife to listen to. I um I, I guess now that you've inspired me when you were going through your story, I was kind of racking through my my Rolodex of my questionable experiences. And I would say. The one that fits the bill to what you're talking about is I saw a live sex show when I was in Amsterdam, when I was studying abroad in England, uh, took a week, took a long weekend to Amsterdam. And I was with uh, some guy and he wanted it was his birthday and he wanted to go to the red light district. And he's like, hey, do you want to catch this live sex show? And I was like, absolutely. And so me sitting with this guy in this room with other businessmen or excuse me, with businessmen watching like uh, a rotational of like five or six couples just ba bang it out. Uh, it, it, it was not, I did not, I was not aroused at all. It was actually really fucking weird, but it's a great story. I'm kind of glad I did it and I would do it again. <laughs> I'm, 
I'm doing it this weekend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm doing it right now from Pornhub.com. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've gone off topic, but I feel like we're yeah. still on topic. Uh, all I can say is that your story and my story are clear evidence for two points that we made earlier in this podcast. First, first, point the first. We are better people now than we were when we were young. <laughs> point the second. Women are inherently better than men. Did you see any women at that sex show? Only the ones that were working. Yeah, same for me. I will tell you that um, Japanese businessmen were overrepresented in the audience. There were so many Japanese businessmen there just going crazy. Also, we weren't allowed to drink and you weren't allowed to even have your cell phone out. I actually got talked to. I was I was texting someone. While a couple that I was was not impressed with um, bang it out and I was starting to text someone and the guy came as like, hey, you need to put that away. Or we're going to kick you out. And I was like, Wait, OK, what did he, you know, you what, look, what, what, dude looked like he was an extra in The Sopranos. So when, I didn't want to fuck with him. When, when, when you're discussing the activities of men in a live sex show, please check your verbs, because when you start off saying a guy came, I immediately froze like a deer in the headlights. Where is this going? No, I gotcha. I gotcha. A a worker arrived to my position and <laughs> uh, told me to to pack it up or pack it in. Let me begin. So the upside here is that the FSB does not have footage of either of us in those compromising situations that we know of. The downside is that we have now revealed that to the public through this audio podcast. <laughs> In reference to the ticks and, and all of the information, and Matt noted that they're a lot more than they used to be, I want to make a, a real quick reference to people who aren't aware of the Plum Island Animal Disease Center that is now managed by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. It's dedicated to research on plant and large animal diseases likely to have a significant economic impact on livestock and agricultural industries because of its isolation from the mainland, because it's on an island off the coast of uh, uh, New York and in the Connecticut area as well. In 1952, it was managed by the U.S. Army Chemical Corps as a component of its biological warfare program. However, when that program was abolished by a presidential directive in 69, it was transferred to the U.S. Department of Agriculture for its present use. So there are a lot of people who believe that Lyme disease was actually created, studied, and spread at this Plum Island facility. There's a lot of people that believe it. You'll find a lot of fringe stuff online, but I just find it really interesting. Is Could that be real? It's funny that it's Plum Island. Uh, if it was in Florida, it would be key Lyme disease. Is the, one that they- <laughs> <laughs> the idea of the U.S. government Fucking around and finding out with ticks totally checks out. Uh, when they transfer that to the Department of Agriculture, it had to be the shittiest damn job for that whoever that person is, right? The director of tick research. But if you think about Lyme disease, it's really not going to be, I mean, I understand biological warfare, but Lyme disease isn't going to be like some horribly spread, kill everybody instantly kind of disease. So not not, not until we make it worse. <laughs> <laughs> There's evidence of Lyme disease going back quite some time to to ancient times would you say to Uh, antiquity i I would not i would not say that you can you can go ahead and put your things that ryan says bingo card away i will not use either of those words that matt just said i will say however evidence of lyme disease goes back uh, at least several hundred years um 
In fact, uh, oh my gosh, uh, I am I am actively looking at the Wikipedia article, and That's I may have to is. I may have to use one of those two words now. Oh no, a demon! The, the 2010 autopsy of Otzi the Iceman. A 5,300-year-old <laughs> mummy revealed the presence of the DNA sequence of Borrelia burgdorferi, making him the earliest known human with Lyme disease. You are just so into archaeology that it finds you, even when you try to avoid it. It finds you. Now, that said, that, that, is, that is prehistory. It would not count as antiquity. Okay, for the, for, for, for the four people who listen to this who understand that reference. <laughs> so, in other words... What we're saying is we've just proved something is older than originally thought. Like the Sphinx. Oh. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say originally thought. I think the Internet does not get to claim originality on identifying the origin of Lyme disease as the 1950s. It's older than you originally thought because you said a few hundred years ago. So <laughs> I said at least a few hundred years. However, the knowledge oh, come on. of Otzi the Iceman is only 11 years old. So Okay, all right, all right. That, that would explain why he walked off that building project. He's just like, yeah, I feel like yeah. shit. I'm out of here. Yeah, and then they right, stop yeah. working on the Sphinx. <laughs> I, think the other, I think the other way that we could shoot that down is that we know how Lyme disease is transmitted. And although ticks are carriers of Lyme disease, we are not Lyme disease's intended host. No, like deer and shit like that, right? Like well, that's, that's just it. Animals. No. Oh. No, the the intended host for Lyme disease is like mice. So like forest so, animals. So what what'll happen is so the, the way this works is a lot of ticks have uh like I said multi-stage, you know, they have a larval form, then they have a nymph form, and then they they grow up and make babies. The way Lyme disease works is if a tick attaches to say a mouse that has Lyme disease. So a, a, Lyme, a mouse is considered a competent carrier of Lyme disease, meaning that Borrelia burgdorferi can be hosted in the mouse without making the mouse sick. That's called a competent host. So then when the tick detaches from that, it, it can attach to say an incompetent host. An incompetent host would be a deer. So the immune system of a deer shuts down Lyme disease pretty much immediately. Okay, okay. So Lyme disease gets into a deer, then the deer's body says, no, get out. But if that tick attaches to a human, our immune system is not as efficient at getting rid of Lyme disease, which is why it's such a complicated like immunodisorder. So you have Lyme disease, it stays in your body, you can treat it, and it might go away after time. But there's a chance that you could spend the rest of your life with Lyme disease. Uh, what if you find it on your balls? What's the what's the what's the risk of uh, Lyme disease if you get a tick on your balls? I'm just asking for personal and comedy reasons. For, for a friend, right? Asking for a friend. What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say, being a, a farm kid, if you want to get rid of a tick that's on your balls, don't use the burn them off method. That's all I'm going to suggest. Can I drip hot wax on them? <laughs> You yeah, only if you pay extra. By the way, that was doubly because the two two methods that we discussed were in a previous episode. So for those of you who, uh, I think that was episode seven that we talked about that. It was but, our early stuff. Yeah, yeah, it is our early works. You know, it's the stuff that people want us to play when we when we do our live shows, but we refuse to. And Shane, you, you mentioned not using the fire, but I found a tick on my balls, and I used a match, and it absolutely worked. Uh, we, there's heat, then there's also suffocation. So I would argue that hot wax is the best way to get the uh, ticks it, off your balls. It's definitely the funnest way. To get- <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna say this guy is not gonna willingly hold an open flame down below because. Well, no, 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 no. It's no, not no, an open no. flame. Not, not an open, open flame. flame. You, you, what you do is you put on a blindfold and then you let your, 
you let your primary care provider drip the hot wax from a burning candle, you know, two, three feet above your testicles. Three feet? You got to have really good aim. I'm sorry, sorry, Matt. I've never uh, dripped a hot wax on my balls. Tell me how you do it. So what you do is you make sure you pay extra. And (laughs) no, uh, uh, it's it's not an open flame chain. What I did, you took a match, uh, let on fire, blow it out, let that steaming stuff just touch the. uh, I'm like doing the motion on my balls right now, like you guys were watching it. But like, that's why I am intently. Nice. Um, uh, well, then you have to pay extra. That's what that means. Um, no, it, it, it totally works, though. Um, I'm sure. Yeah, would. that's anyway. We're kind of going off on, on ball sack ticks, you know. But, but but here's the thing. I would hold the lighter because that's the kind of guy I am. I would just grab my lighter and be, oh, I'll burn you off. I'd grab a fucking blowtorch. <laughs> then I would set everything else on fire. Uh, you know, burn nice. all the hair. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then you don't have to worry about shaving or trimming if that's your thing. But I'm just saying. I yeah no testicles and sharp objects or fire yeah probably not well to each their own to each their own as far as this claim that Plum Island is the source of Lyme disease or even the 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 source of an abundance of Lyme disease in North America is probably very unlikely because uh, the infection vector for giving humans Lyme disease is very circuitous and is just dumb luck but would you put it past the U.S. government to test? on it through the army corps of engineers and have this laboratory testing and not creating it not but would you put it past them they were actually doing that this is the 1950s they were doing some pretty awful shit there's probably some ex-nazi scientists living there uh (laughs) i wouldn't put it past them to try to find a way to weaponize it but i don't know that they would necessarily have made it i think it would get past the initial brainstorming phase once they brought in somebody who knows about ticks because that person would say this is a terrible way to give people lyme disease (laughs) (laughs) i think uh as most conspiracies that involve the government go it assumes just way too much competence to the federal government that i'm willing to give them i don't think this many gs eights or nines could keep this kind of uh, information (laughs) secret right no way that the government is that i'm not an anti-government guy by any means but i just don't think they're as competent as you look like one yeah oh yeah yeah, right like like randy quaid in independence day right you look like randy quaid now in his regular everyday life ted kaczynski but you know i could be wrong (laughs) you know he he was a he was uh he was also an eagle scout and a singular authority on mailing explosives Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm (laughs) <laughs> anyway, well, I'm, I'm glad I look like that guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, PhD, thank you. We're saying you ma- look smart. In mathematics. Yeah. yeah, smart enough to not get away with murder. Is it exactly? By 2012, Oxford Dictionaries, however, said that either can be used. So Oxford Dictionary USA, I should say. Are these the same people that said the Oxford comma is optional? Because those people are fucking idiots. Man, I'm glad you said that. Um, we may keep this in. We may keep this out. But. I'm a, I'm a writer at work, and we do not use the Oxford comma, and it uh, bothers. It bothers. I hate it. I hate it. I really do hate it. How many times have you helped your uncle jack off a horse? <laughs> I, I, yeah, just wanted, exactly. I just want to know, when you're at work, how many times do you watch your uncle jack off a horse? Um, only on the lucky days, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> the second time I said that, I said, watch your uncle jack off a horse, which is <laughs> not affected by the Oxford comma I think. <laughs> In 2019... The bear that won was named Holly. Uh, she weighed between six and seven hundred pounds. OK, the bear last year does not have a name yet, 
but it has a number, and that number is 747, which is a, the same thing as a fucking j- jumbo jet. Yeah, I'm like, how is his name not, eight, not 747? How is his, how is his name? How, how's the name not Boeing? Talk about a guerrilla marketing campaign, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, or it could be Baloo. I don't know if you're a oh, Tailspin yeah. Oh, I love Tailspin. I loved it. Loved it. Right. God, best Jungle Book spinoff that didn't make any fucking sense at all ever. It also was right before uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, I want to say. Fun fact about Chippendale Rescue Rangers, both Chip and Dale's costumes were based, wait for it, on Tom Selleck. Think, uh, think about what Dale's wearing. Dale's wearing a red Hawaiian shirt like Magnum P.I. And then Chip is wearing a fedora and leather jacket like Indiana Jones. Now, you might be thinking, but wait, Tom Selleck didn't play Indiana Jones. However, he was originally cast in the role. Harrison Ford was actually the second choice. That is that's did you just have that Chippendale's Rescue Rangers knowledge stored away somewhere. Yeah, that's why I have a podcast. Matt. Gonna, yeah, well, I, I have one because I got to put that shit somewhere. Yeah, I got to put that shit somewhere. Yeah. And now I'd like to move on to a young gentleman who absolutely got wrecked recently. So he had an idea. He skipped the check yourself phase. Went straight to wreck yourself. Yeah. So this comes from a New York Post article, which I usually do not read the New York Post just on principle. But this headline just it threw me for a loop. And that's it is a trash rag. It, it, absolutely. 100 percent. 100 percent. And I'm, we're about to get down in the gutter because the headline for this is teen gets USB cable stuck in penis in backfired attempt to measure length. Uh, what the fuck? <laughs> Uh, I have so many questions. Well, yeah, I, so did he. You know, he this guy could have saved a whole lot of medical bills and grief if he just asked this question on no stupid questions. <laughs> because I think I, I think somebody would have just immediately red flagged this and said, emergency, emergency, emergency. Do not stick a USB cable into your penis. Yeah, I, I kind of. Like, OK, so first we should say, is this true? Absolutely. This is a phallic fiasco from, like, my nightmares. So this this is a 15-year-old boy in the United Kingdom. He was curious how long his penis is. And, you know... I think that he, I think what he did was he took a ruler to it and he didn't like, Uh he didn't like the number. So he's like, oh, you need to account for the curve. How do you do that? You need to have some sort of pliable, you know, some sort of soft material that bends with the curve, then measure that. And he just looked around and saw his USB cable and like, you know, he just plugged himself in for lack of a better term. And he he just got it got out of hand real quick and into and into his dick. Was it a full-size USB cable uh, or a micro USB cable? Uh, I think he would say it's a macro USB cable. I need the biggest <laughs> USB cable for my dick. No, uh, it looks like a regular USB cable. There's an x-ray photo uh, from this, and it just looks like jumbled. So what happened was he was sticking it in. It got like jumbled. It was up in his bladder, and then part of the cord got like tangled in his scrotum. Uh, at one point, both ends of the USB were sticking out of his dick. And that's when uh, and that's when he called the doctors. <laughs> but who starts in the middle of the USB cord? I think he, I, I just think he I mean, I think I think he that's the party could get in. Uh, I think he was just like, tr- I think he was trying to I don't know. He was really faithful and trying to measure his dick. I don't know. He was just I think he panicked and he was just like, oh, shit, what do I do? And then turn it turned into like a Christmas light situation. Uh, you know what? I, I, I've got to I've got to point out here the fact that he was able to employ this method in an attempt to measure the size of his penis would seem to indicate that he's got a 
fairly large penis. Um, you know, he's 15 year old. I don't really want to talk about. I mean, you know, I, you don't want to you don't want to talk about talk about underage dicks. No, me neither. I, yeah, <laughs> not really. But here, yeah, here we are. All I'm saying is let's 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 take the age of the person out of let's this. Take, let's take the, the size fact, out of it. Can you imagine sticking a folded USB cord into your urethra? I don't know if I don't know if it was folded. What I think happened is he stuck the 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 not so large, not the U, not the part that goes in the computer, the part that goes into whatever. Right? He stuck that in his dick hole, and he just kept going and going and going. He just went. He just went a few. Inches too far, so to speak. But counterpoint, the fact that both ends of the USB cable ended up outside of his penis, like unless he went down in there and then pulled a Yui. I don't think he did it on purpose. He did not do it. On, with, well, I was, think he, I think he did a lot of things on purpose, starting <laughs> with sticking yeah. a USB cord well, into the tip of his penis. I would say that was very. No one does that on accident, right? And it was like, oh, I doctor, <laughs> I, I trip and fell, and um, no, I, I just think he kept pushing it in there, pushing it in there. The other part just started coming out. I don't think he was like, let's stick half of it in here. I just think he he, he got caught in a situation. <laughs> but let's one thing I kind of wanted to you know talk about here is um, I have had a Foley catheter in myself when I was completely conscious and sober. Um, oh. And now I like to tell that story to you and the internet, Ryan, if, if, if you'll have me. Okay. So I want to preface this story that you are about to share with me and the, the rest of our audience yep. Yep. by saying... Nobody asked for this, Matt, but we are waiting eagerly. Well, that's true. Yeah, honestly, that's, that, 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 is, that is the title of any podcast ever. No one, <laughs> no one asked for this, but get ready, right? No, um, so what happened is I broke my arm in the line of duty uh, when I was in the Army, and I had surgery on my humerus. I have three titanium screws uh, in my right elbow that... Uh, That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it gets it gets even wackier. So anyway, it's my right arm. It's my right arm. I break it. I get released. And the doctor prescribes me all kinds of shit. Right? He prescribes me painkillers. Prescribes me stool softeners because the the painkillers are supposed to like make you constipated. And so he's like, I'm gonna help you out. Right? A wild side effect of these stool softeners is that it made like did something with my bladder and my blood vessels, and it made it so my bladder would fill up with urine. But the blood vessel cut off of it, so I couldn't pee. So I had the I woke up at seven, and everything is 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 ready to go. If you know what I mean, it is like, and I just couldn't pee for four hours, and that's when I went to the hospital. So you basically had a medically induced kidney stone. Well, uh, also like I I I had an erection for this entire time, like because because the blood was pumping in my dick, but it couldn't pump out. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, and well, because of that, did I you take did you take advantage of this opportunity to measure your yeah, that that was measure your penis. That was the day was to do pre it. Or, was this pre USB cord as a form of technology? No, this is in the army, so I would say it's the burgeoning USB, right? I feel like back when like palm drives were like five megabytes and shit like that. Like I wouldn't want to stick that up in me. But yeah, no. Um, so I I remember this is like so embarrassing because my dad was there and I was like I gotta go to the hospital. And so I go to the hospital, go to the emergency room. The triage nurse she sees my arms all casted up and she assumes, oh, mm -hmm. what's wrong with your arm? And I'm right-handed, so she's like, she hands me a clipboard. She's like, here, write down your complaint. And I was like, ma'am, I'm right-handed, I broke my arm, like, I can't write this. And she's like, all right, what is, she's like, this is like around noon. I'm like, what is it? I have her lean in, this army nurse, and I was like, I've had an erection since 7 a.m. this morning. And she's like, 
oh my God, is what she said. She wrote something down. I sat down. Literally two minutes later, a doctor comes out. Hey, Mr. Saintsing, right? Or Private Saintsing, you know? <laughs> the, so that was, that is pretty demeaning, but it gets even worse because, so, go ahead. So did your did your dad fly to Fort, I assume this is at Fort Campbell. It was, yeah, yeah. So did your dad fly in to, because you were having the surgery? Yeah, he, he knew I broke my arm and he figured he, needed, he might need some help. And so he flew, uh, he, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> more than more than he could have possibly known. So embarrassing, that's good. Man, so embarrassing. The thing is, though, that's good dad vision. And I've got to tell you, if I had to choose between having my mother and my oh, father there to yeah. assist me through my uncontrollable erection, I would prefer my dad be there. It's so uncomfortable. You know, people always make a joke. Oh, did you like call a lady over or did you try to? It's like, no, it hurt like a son of a bitch. It was not fun at all. Like, and I couldn't pee. I had the urge to, but I couldn't. Long story short, the urologist is like, look, we're going to have to fly you to Vanderbilt Medical Center uh, if if you can't pee. And I'm like, well, shit, man, I'm trying. So what they do is there's two special forces medics who are in training. They called in special forces to deal with your erection, (laughs) man. Honestly, like, (laughs) you know, that was the most proud I've ever been in my life. Right? <laughs> and he called Green Berets in, like the most bad, the most baddest ass. Yeah, really. So, you know. <laughs> Honestly, man. They just fast rope in oh. and landed on your dick. They, yeah. <laughs> man, I'm trying to come up with like. It's... <laughs> so. So anyway, these two. Tell me, Matt. Okay, yeah. tell 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 us more about how 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 JSOC took care of your erection, oh, Matt. Man. Yeah, I would say so. Stanley McChrystal came in and was just like, magnificent, gorgeous, right? No, they said we need to take that ridge. Anyway, the jokes just write themselves. But the doctor told me, all right, we're gonna give you a Foley catheter. We're just gonna take. We're just gonna extract the urine by force if necessary. And oh, by the way, I have two Green Beret medics in training who kind of need this experience. So they come in. <laughs> I don't know that. Any- yeah. Does, right. does anybody need that experience? No, they just want. Yeah. They, I was like, the difference between want and need is a little different here. They to, to, to the doctor's credit, they did ask me, "Hey, do you mind if they come in and, and use this as a training opportunity?" And I literally said, "I have no problem with it." But when's uh, when's going to be another time they're in the situation? Like. <laughs> No, honestly, I think at that point you you have to check your bingo box, Matt. You're like, <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah. Hope three medical professionals looking at my turgid erection. Yeah. Oh my god. And SF medics are like legit. Like they're they're like almost physicians' assistants. They can like do surgeries. They can de- they've delivered babies. They are like pretty good experts in emergency medical care. The worst part of this situation was when they both turned to the side and immediately vomited. Yeah. Um, They're like, it's too much. Vomited in amazement, right? Yeah. Um, not, not the first time I've made that happen. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the medics are there. And this is, I was still, you know, I'm still trying to make light of, of a very hard situation. And, uh-huh. and so th- th- <laughs> they get this kit out. And he's, okay. he starts putting lube, like, essentially on, like, a, uh, on some sort of tube that ended up inside of me. But the, what would you say the diameter of this tube is? Since we already have established where it's going in. I, it's like a straw. I was like, it's like a straw. Like, um, like, like, like an old school McDonald's straw with the yellow and the red stripes. Just like that size it's straw. It's like a McFlurry spoon that has like that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> spoon on the yeah, end. Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, I, I blocked a lot of this out of my memory. I can't really remember. But as he was putting the lube on, I, I said, oh, look, um, I, I was like, I don't need that i was like we, we can go ahead and go and dry you've got juicy junk i i was yeah i was like uh, it's like you think what did you think he was go- did you think he was going in the back no i no i was trying to make a joke 
I was trying to make a joke. I was like, oh, I was, I was like, I don't need to put the joke is I don't need to put lube when you shove in something. I mean, you were you were how old at the time? 19, 20? Uh, 20, around 20. Yeah, I was 20. Yeah, you're 20. You're fresh as a daisy. That that should be moistening right up. Gosh. Well, so the the SF medic said like a slip and slide. The, oh, God. Action Park. Right. Um, <laughs> the uh, one of the SF medics. He was, Love that documentary, oh, by the so way. It's so good. It is so good. Yeah. Watch Action Park on HBO. HBO, you can cut us a check for $50. Thank you. Yeah, it was great. So I said the joke, you know, oh, we don't, I'm saying, I don't need to use lube. And he literally looks at me. He's like, no, fuck that. If it's in this kit, we're using it. <laughs> so, you know, you have one person gripping the base. The other elite soldier <laughs> it's like just starts, he shoves it in. And like, it just feels like a bee sting, just like on the tip of my cock. And then he's, oh, and then, that sounds pleasant. And then after that, it doesn't really hurt, but I can feel this tube just going up inside of me. And I felt it in my bladder. And then that's when all hell broke loose. And I just started pissing. I felt like I was pissing my pants. I like, I did not, I couldn't like control it. And then as, and then I see this bag just fill up of liquid gold and I piss a thousand cc's of urine, which is a liter. And then I just have like instant relief. So the army, so so the army may have failed in so many other ways to turn you into a leader, but there you go. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's that's so funny. Yeah, <laughs> um, it, it 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 brought the leader out of me. <laughs> After that, things started going down, and the, the thing that kind of the kicker is that okay, what are you talking about? The rest of your life, or your yeah, no, the, the rest of the penis. the rest of the day before I had to go out and be like, thanks, Dad, for bringing me here. <laughs> the the kicker was the doctor was like, well. Uh, we have to make sure that the plumbing still works. So we're, we're going to make sure you pee again. And I was like, doctor, I just pissed the biggest in my life. And like, I, I can't do it again. So they had me drinking water for so long. And then finally I had to prove like I was able to do it again. And then they, then they released me. The whole ordeal was like five or six hours. It was demeaning. So were you able to, were you able to pee again? Yeah, I've never peed since. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I was able to, it's probably, it's probably for the best. The plumbing was still working. Yeah. Honestly. Um, thank goodness. So thank goodness. That is the story of me getting a Foley catheter. And if that is a, preview i was like no painkillers i was completely conscious completely sober it, it it was it was horrible but i think that pales in comparison to losing a fucking usb thing in your balls absolutely i forgot i forgot all about that poor kid's story yeah you were um, so in in gore enwrapped in my um, i was engorged in your story yeah. yes so uh. <laughs> one, th one thing i will say before we move on to some more safer ways to measure your dick is in this new york post article i'm going to quote a Sentence for you, Ryan. It says, subsequent x-rays revealed that there was a veritable Gordian knot of USB wire <gasps> inside the teenager. And so I think the name of this episode could be slicing through the Gordian knot or something like, <laughs> something along those. Dis literally, so literally, they um, and what they did is they made an incision between his uh, scrotum and his anus. They they literally yanked yanked it out. Um, and They went through the taint. They went. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Um, and there's a photo of this just gross uh, USB cord situation. To be clear, the photo is of the USB cord, not the situation from which the USB cord was coming. We're not asking you to look at a picture of a 15 year old's butthole in the bottom no, of their balls. No, this is this is this is after the extraction, and you can tell there's there's like a bunch of jumbled wires, and they literally just just cut it. So they literally severed the Gordian knot for this kid. Oh my god! It's like this. It's like this article was tailor made for our podcast. Exactly. It it, it touches on my my little episode opening catchphrase and it opened a gateway to hell for you to summon <laughs> forth easily the best story I've ever heard on this show. It, I mean, it, it's 100% true and it was one of the most crazier experiences I've had in my life for sure. For all of our juvenile delinquent listeners out there of exquisite taste and refinement, 
Let that be a lesson. That's already been checked out. Don't wreck yourself. <laughs> because let's be honest, this is during, uh, you know, during the industrialization period of England. So it's not like their workers' lives were great. So like, oh, yeah, we sent those crooks to a poison island full of snakes and awful yeah. critters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Full of full of uh, poisonous. I don't even know, man. I'm afraid of spiders. And I, I, I feel like Australia has a shit ton of them. What's the yeah. what's the deadliest spider to ever attack you, Rick? Oh, God. All of them at once. Actually, my mom, uh, my mom got bitten by a white tail once, which is a pretty, pretty common one. And, and pretty much for like a good year or so, year, year and a half, it tore all the, uh, the skin off her hands. It was just pretty much just red raw. Holy uh, shit. And then you can, she still comes back in patches and stuff. Um, but we think it was a white tail spider that got her. So she kind of looked a bit crazy zombie. Both Ryan and I's jaws are to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> this is just the most Australian. Oh, yeah. It was just very casually. My mom got bitten by something called a white tail, which we call deer in this country. And then it, it, her hand fell off. <laughs> that does sound made up. That does sound made up. <laughs> now, do you think she's be better off in Australia with her hands falling apart? Or in a textile mill in 1870s London. Ooh. Actually, my mom was really into quilting, so she'd probably go into the textile mill and be psyched about it. (laughs) (laughs) 18 hours of quilting? Hell yes. (laughs) Yeah, but not when you're seven. For those of you who don't know, this this is a topic that I picked out because I saw a meme going around on Facebook that showed a an airplane that was full of horses and not like was it riding coach by any chance i don't know that they were it looked like they were in the cargo section of the plane but it was an entire plane filled with horses and not in like a cute like furry sort of way where they were like wearing monocles and, and and wearing top hats and smoking pipes and cigarettes and drinking scotch uh it, it was just a bunch of horses lined up in a plane and the meme alleged that they were uh, Canadian horses bound for Japan to be served as a delicacy. Yeah, I've seen the image and it is a little jarring. It definitely conjures images of watching cows be walked to the slaughter. But it's a little more classy if you're on a plane, I guess, right? Yeah, you're getting flown to the slaughter. What do you think they serve the horses on this plane? Do you think they serve them horse meat? Uh, horses are herbivores, so I think that's unlikely. But, I mean, I guess if a horse got hungry enough, it would probably... Uh, eat its friend? It might eat a friend. I, I, I know that giraffes, in times of uh, trouble, when lacking proper food sources, will engage in a practice known as osteophagy which is when they chew on bones in order for their bodies to capture some of those nutrients like calcium. I guess what I'm saying is it's not beyond the pale to think of a horse maybe eating another horse. Absolutely. I definitely think, you know, should I ever re-download Tinder or any dating app in the future, I'm absolutely going to put osteophagy kink in the bio. (laughs) What was that name again? Osteophagy. As osteophagy. I think that's like that's a hell of a scrabble word. <laughs> so yeah, horse cannibalism is not out of the question. Uh, my question for you is if if we can get past the uh, the taboo surrounding horse meat, perhaps the most germane question we can ask is is centaur meat okay? Ooh, I I, I think it's really critical t- 
to find out which part of the centaur because if you're eating a centaur rib, I have questions. If you're eating, if you're eating like a hindquarter or a sirloin or something, I think that would be better than eating, you know, Phil's bicep. What about mermaids? Can you eat mermaid? Can you eat the fish half of a mermaid? I think it's perfectly okay to eat a centaur or a mermaid or a minotaur, but it's a slippery slope to cannibalism. Yeah, that's a, it's like a literally you, you start away. eating, you know, you're just like, you know, like in the cartoons when they have the corn on the cob and they're like, eventually you're going to hit a belly button and things are going to get awkward. Oh, God, that is you, you just ruined <laughs> cartoons for you just ruined cartoons for me. My seven year old Matt Saintsing is now scarred. <laughs> Imagine it's 1930, and imagine that you've been accused of a crime, nothing too serious, because you both seem great. Well, and you're led by the arresting officer into a pitch black room and left in there alone. Okay, so in this scenario, have Matt and I both been arrested? Because I'm definitely rolling on him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, luckily, you'll have the chance to roll on him when the animatronic skeleton begins barking at you. (laughs) What? And what I'm here to talk to you about today is the crime skeleton, or as U.S. Patent 1749090A calls it, the apparatus for obtaining criminal confessions and photographically recording them. I was like, first of all, I was like, oh my God, I'm in prison or I am got arrested, something bad's about to happen. Wait, I, I'm getting a free show. <laughs> <laughs> what I love about this topic is that it's bringing us full circle back to where we started because at the beginning of the episode, we were talking about scientific ways to prove that ghosts exist. But now we're talking about scientific ways for ghosts to prove that we exist. (laughs) (laughs) For ghosts to prove that we have committed crimes. All right. So tell us about this amazing patent. Uh, This was a post that it it seems to be from a Tumblr page originally posted by My Good Babushka. But this uh, you can see diagrams online if you type in that patent code. It's all available freely. This was patented in 1930 by a woman named Helene Adelaide Shelby. What I find most interesting about Helene is that she was a real estate mogul, never invented anything else, no other patents ever. (laughs) But in 1927, she decided that criminals were uh, recanting their confessions in court, saying they were under duress. And for some reason, she decided that... To make them all under duress. To make them all under duress (laughs) even more by using an artificial skeleton. So you would go into this dark room, and there would be this diaphanous veil hanging over the skeleton that would begin to light softly from beneath and above. Behind the other side of a wall would be an operator who would then speak through a megaphone that is in the skeleton's (laughs) mouth. And its eyes would light red and blink when it was asking questions, which I think was to hide the camera taking pictures. This is a real Wizard of Oz situation. This is a Wizard of Oz situation. (laughs) She had cameras in the skull and a megaphone in the skull. It would light from behind this curtain, so it, it wanted to look like an astral form, like it was a projection of your own guilt in this dark room. And oh her theory was God. that criminals would confess all of their sins to this crime skeleton, and they would record the audio and record pictures of them speaking and use it in court against them. Question this immediately. The premise of this would seem to indicate that there are thousands of confessions every year at America's many haunted houses. <laughs> 
locally in Philadelphia, we actually have the East State Penitentiary, oh, which puts on a haunted fun. house every year. Famously haunted and also briefly held uh, gangster Al Capone. Oh, wow. But under this logic, just the, the, the mere appearance of this should elicit criminal confessions, and then we could lock them right up in the penitentiary. And I've worked in a haunted house before. <laughs> Nobody has ever confessed their sins to me when I jumped out and scared them. <laughs> the Did sin you, is working at high grace. <laughs> I don't know. I think it sounds fun. It does sound fun. I just went to one uh, a few weeks ago, actually. It was pretty good. That, that was actually a royal vampire wedding. <laughs> oh, man. I, I would totally go to one, yeah. This... This... Invention of the crime skeleton was never built, but I looked hard in the patents. There's patents for every piece of machinery that goes into this, but nothing for the skeleton itself. And I'm wondering if they wanted to use a real skeleton or a fake skeleton. I don't even know. There's nothing in the patent about the skeleton itself, and I'm very interested. So I think that they would probably, it's the 1930s, they would probably source a skeleton in unsavory ways. Now, while this is post- Resurrection Man era, where people were like robbing graves to supply medical schools with autopsy cadavers, yeah, with with cadavers, yeah. While it is post Resurrection Man, it is certainly not after the filming of, uh, and I think we talked about this on the show before. The first Poltergeist film actually oh, yeah. used real skeletons they in the had yeah. human bones. Yeah, they used real skeletons in the uh, scene where they they started popping up, and Craig T. Nelson was fucking terrified, and they stole those corpses from India. Oh, and by stolen, I mean purchased, purchased legally from a certified vendor of human corpses. Oh, wow. God, geez. Were they, were they fair trade? <laughs> I, I, I certainly hope so. Organic. I think if this crime skeleton were built today, they would just use the Home Depot oversized one. You can the 12 foot tall skeleton. <laughs> yeah, that's what they should use. They should use. I mean, yeah. I think this is like the most pandemic safe way to interact with other people is through the crime skeleton. <laughs> if you're getting groceries or at the bank or like confessing sins to a priest, they should hide behind the crime skeleton. What if instead of using like a standard crime skeleton for every single criminal that comes in? What if we only use this for capital crimes and use the actual corpse of their victim? Or if they cater to their own specific worst fear. And then, now you're talking about Pennywise. From now Man. I'm talking about Pennywise. <laughs> or Scarecrow from the Batman franchise. True. Oh, that's true. That's true. Who, by the way, is a PhD. So you should probably listen to what he has to say. It sounds he like would, the person um, who would build the crime skeleton as well. <laughs> I, I can imagine the Scarecrow no, hey. the crime skeleton. Put him in front of the crime skeleton. <laughs> that's my best Batman. That was good. <laughs> I just love the ingenuity behind this. I think uh, we should put Helene Adelaide Shelby in the history books for this one. I just wish I had a crime skeleton for my house. I've got a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old. And <laughs> when it comes time to find out who spilled paint on the carpet, I think the crime skeleton could probably get to the bottom of it. <laughs> you can do it up for the holidays. It could be like the uh, skeleton on the shelf. You know, skelly on the shelly. Yeah. Skelly on the shelly. <laughs> Don't do any sins in front of the skelly on the shelly. <laughs> Jesus. That, that, that got me scared, man. And I know you're not a skeleton. I couldn't find if the megaphone had any distortion on it or if you were just hearing some. California guy. This well, it's the 1930s. Oakland, I don't know that they had to switch. Hey, Mac. Hey there, Sonny. What'd you do? <laughs> oh, so everyone's got the transatlantic accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey there, Mac. What, did you do this crime? I know you did. He's got moxie. 
<laughs> Ryan already told us the truth. It's just in. If you don't tell me your crimes, you're going straight to hell. Ah, oh. Like the penguin from Batman. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Probably a little bit less Wizard of Oz, a little bit more Necromancer of Oz. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> How much to build one of these, man? I want to see a working one. I'm sure we could find you the price of that patent. Start a GoFundMe. Build a crime skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> it's in 1930, which means the patent's probably expired. So we're probably not going to get sued if we actually start producing a crime skeleton, right? <laughs> what if we What if we didn't tie this to crime? What if we just... Uh, what if we made like a, a skeleton barista? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it, it's perfect for the world we live in today. It, it was the uh, Supreme Court that uh, ruined the crime skeleton for everybody in 1961 when they ruled that coerced confessions were not admissible in court, putting the crime skeleton buried in the ground for good. If you choose to confess your crimes to a skeleton with glowing red eyes, that's not coercion. That's just you being unnaturally afraid of a perfectly <laughs> normal haunted skeleton. Oh my gosh. <laughs> With the voice of a transatlantic cop. Uh, but speaking of sins that need to be confessed, uh, I have a feeling Matt's going to have a meeting with the crime skeleton after he uh, shares his next topic. With- Let's say hypothetically, I stuck a hose up my ass. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. This friend I know stuck a. Well, at that point, you might get some water up there. Uh, it's called an enema, guys. <laughs> but speaking of mysterious enemas, <laughs> the next topic that I've picked out is actually a screenshot of a poster stapled to a lamppost that says, "Who does it? Every evening, a pepper <laughs> falls down the chimney." I worship the Lord and have never made an enemy. Who's doing it? And then there's a picture of a pepper that somebody has carved. I hate you into and various other images to assist us in the contextualization of what's happening. There is what appears to be a picture of a pepper sitting, at, uh, sitting in, a, in a cold fireplace. Looking sad. A picture from Ring of somebody thro- throwing apparently a pepper that is subtitled diagramming, <laughs> and then some sort of yeah, it's a it's a clip art showing somebody like throwing a pepper. I'm guessing into a chimney. It's a stick art for me. <laughs> and at the bottom it says, "I have a one of a kind relationship with Christ. He has what? harmed people for me. He can find you in any town, and I suggest you end your campaign. Let's talk about this." I was going to say, and then like, there's a phone number have, at the bottom. Oh my God. Let's call his phone number right fucking now. Put him on speaker. Yes, yes, please, God, yes. If you're a God fearing man, you don't have to worry about peppers down your chimney. Is the curveball of the century? I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> <laughs> so. Let's go ahead and see if somebody picks up. Uh-huh. Is this the fool who throws the pepper? I have developed my relationship with Christ over seas of years. And your days are numbered, mister. I have an entire family in here, and they're all freaked out by what you choose to do. I don't have any enemies, so I don't know what you're doing. When you have Christ, you have no enemies. Because we are all brothers under Christ. All right. so I'm not, I am not disappointed one bit. That was hilarious. <laughs> I love it. First of all, uh, this guy's got a line dedicated to the pepper thrower. <laughs> oh, bless him. So, A for one, first it's claim, like, is this true? It absolutely is. No, it's not, unfortunately. Oh, well, now I'm disappointed. I'm here to throw I hate you peppers onto your parade. <laughs> Examining the image, 
you can see where it turns from white to gray, where they've erased whatever the original image on there was. So this is a computer generated it image. Is. They did a no. nice job with Photoshop and making uh. all the text look pretty like wrinkled and conforming to the paper. But uh, around the top two corners, you can see a little change. In okay, color. so like, how did he? So like, if if this is not real, he definitely this guy's definitely got a pepper number that, that that's legit. <laughs> yes, he does have a pepper number. So if if you notice. Uh, there's a watermark on the image. Oh, yep. It's at True Wagner. If you follow True Wagner back to Twitter, you find a gentleman named Alan Wagner, and you can click through to his website, which is literally just like <laughs> meme gifts. And if you click on them, you can actually see some of his other campaigns, and he uses similar formats of posters on things to do viral marketing for like bands and things like that. I have no idea what he's trying to do here. I don't know, but I love but it. But it's absolutely amazing. I think it's hilarious. But this is this is something this that is, he this does. Is the best. A real random fun tie-in <laughs> to the like. If you like, I will send Jesus for you. So I don't know if y'all watched any Bravo Real Housewives oh, shows. Religiously, they have a new. <laughs> so Salt Lake City is the newest one in the franchise. They're now in season two, and Mary, oh, who's this? She's she's batshit. She is wild ass crazy. But she runs this cult church. Mary's tagline is: "If you come for me, I will send Jesus for you." Uh, it's totally unironic. <laughs> Pastor of a cult church, and people around her keep mysteriously dying. Whoa. So I don't know. <laughs> He's tapping into something here with his whole gesture. What I love about this is the first paragraph it says, I worship the uh, Lord, have never made an enemy. <laughs> And then in the black box at the bottom, it says, I have a one of a kind relationship yeah. with Christ. He has harmed people for me. It's like, who is this person sending Jesus after if they have no enemies? Just <laughs> random people, acquaintances, friends, family. Why not? I like you so much. I sent, I sent Jesus to your house to well, give like, you a spanking. You're not my enemy, but Jesus is going to come pay you a visit. There's <laughs> another porn idea. <laughs> I have no quarrel with you, but Jesus does. Uh, at the bottom where it says, let's talk about this. And it gives the phone number. 412 is okay. a Pittsburgh area code. Well, well, well. I live in the Philadelphia area. It's five hours away, but I'm I'm proud to share a state. <laughs> the other city in Pennsylvania. <laughs> so thank you, Andrew Wagner, for giving us pause, having us do the research and providing us with a chuckle and a fantastic voicemail message. Blessings be. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. <laughs> I love the idea of a mashup between a messiah and an assassin and some assassin. <laughs> sounds like a hipster has got a, one of those fedoras on, assassin. Which sounds adorable. <laughs> mm, assassin. Uh, assassin. <laughs> we have no idea what the melody sounds like. We you just made it sound the like words. the Batman. You, you made it sound like the... Yeah, the 1960s Batman theme song. It could be, though, because what's that song that goes do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do? No, it's, you're, you're even giving it the. I'm giving it a. I'm giving it a rhythm so I don't mess up the number of do's. Well, what you do, I okay, do not I, want to mess it up. Okay, well, do, well, or do you uh, listen? <laughs> do do the do, my friend. This is a gorilla Mountain Dew gorilla marketing campaign. No, I, I, it's the Baby Shark song, right? It's got to be the Baby Shark song. Do 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 do, hey. do Baby Shark. Do, do 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 do. Right? You know the Baby Shark. Yeah, song. yeah. It, it could also be that song from Third Eye Blind. Do 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 do. Semi charm kind of life, which is about heroin yeah. for folks out there that don't know. Well, it's about crystal meth. It's I thought, no. It's, I thought it was about like heroin addiction. Uh, he specifically says it is. It is a crystal meth addiction. Okay. No, but there are references to the lyrics. There are, are references to heroin also. And, and cocaine and choking. Oh, well. 
Oh, like choking the choking on vomit after you OD. Okay. Yeah, because uh, they talk about bumps, which is definitely cocaine. Yep. Uh, smiling in the pictures you would take, doing crystal meth will lift you up until you break. It won't stop. It won't come down. I keep stock with a TikTok rhythm, a bump for the drop. Then that, I'm pretty sure that is rapper's delight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They do make diapers for adults. So, I mean, De- well, well, this is depends. a completely realistic and livable fetish. <laughs> <laughs> it does. <laughs> I think there's a, there's a lag. I, you know, audio. I always wondered about that because, like, I always thought that was really interesting because you see like adult diapers and and things like that, and they always have like super attractive models. They're just like conventionally good looking people in their like t- late twenties to mid thirties. <laughs> it's just it's just like a cool, confident businesswoman well, standing there in her adult store, diaper. It's like the adult diapers are directly next to the bathroom. I'm like, that's just fantastic marketing. Like, if you don't feel like this, I'm, like I'm, I'm having to stop what I'm doing to go pee, and I'm have this handsome dude just sitting here like Superman in his adult diaper. I'm like, man, you're so much smarter than me. <laughs> I, I just, I, I just think it is a really weird. Like, I, I just think it's a really weird advertising choice, and, and I'm not saying that young, attractive people don't have continence issues, like. It is something that happens. It, it is a medical condition that people can have. But I don't think the core demographic of people using adult diapers are young, confident professionals oh, yeah. in their mid-30s. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, Rick Reynolds, for the use of your song, United, from the album Portals in Progress, which is available on iTunes, Amazon, and Spotify. You can also find Rick on YouTube and at Rick Reynolds on most of your social media. Well, we're on social media, too. We have TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, and Facebook. Make sure you're following us. We also have a Don't Wreck Yourself Gmail account, so send us your best dad jokes. I would like to hear them. I want to hear. And please rate us five stars if you haven't already, and maybe tell a friend or a minor in your city about our podcast. That's right, and you can also find us on the Cast Junkie Discord server. You'll find the link in the show notes. We have a channel there where you can talk about the latest episode, all previous episodes, and all future episodes if you'd like to guess what we're going to cover <laughs> in, the, in the next year. Nice. Yeah. What's the craziest thing that can happen? Yeah. Any predictions for the next year? Any predictions for the next year? Oh, before, gosh. Before, I mean, before we sign off? Yeah, I mean, so much happened over our first year. We had a, additional COVID. We had Delta, Omicron. And now they're talking about Delta Cron. So, I oh, mean, maybe God. that's something to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. I, I will I will point out that since we started our podcast, we have had absolutely no insurrections nor impeachments. So I like right, to think well, that our work of combating disinformation has uh been yeah. wildly successful that is that's yeah that we were, we're, do, we're doing god's work by making sure people who believe that democrats are killing babies storming the seat of our government so we're, we're, well, we're i didn't doing say a good democrats job. aren't killing babies i didn't yeah. say that I, I well i am i feel you know okay. i mean some might be i don't know but it's not like it's not like an institutional thing i don't know i shouldn't even say that some people are gonna run with it people are gonna run with it I think another goal for this next year, uh, obviously Russia recently invaded Ukraine, oh, yeah. is committing horrific acts of violence. I think over the next year, I, uh, our primary purpose, like as a, as a podcast, I think the thread that's going to bind all of our episodes together is preventing World War III. Yeah, I feel like giving weapons to our Ukrainian podcasters so they can keep doing their show is what we should be doing. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. So yeah, if you want to support our show, uh, please go to whatever podcasting app you use and rate us five stars or whatever the maximum number of stars are. Uh, wherever you get yars, and and if you're feeling extra generous, we encourage you to go to the post office, 
slip a pistol into a package and mail it to Ukraine. Nice. Okay. That, that's the thing. So it's so hard to get Americans to give up their guns. To send their personal guns. To send their personal guns. Yeah. But if we could get them to give their guns to Ukraine, that we could simultaneously end uh, gun violence in America and also beat the Russians. Nice. So if between now and next week... Between the next year. Between now and the next year. <laughs> if between now and when next we meet, you find yourself on the internet listening to two jokers phoning it in for their one-year anniversary episode, and you say, oh, that's not right. Eh, check yourself. Don't wreck yourself. We are united, but we're so far apart.